Welcome, teaching others also, 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're uh, continuing on in this study of 1 Peter. We've not done it exhaustively, and you've heard me say before that would be exhausting to the hearer. Uh, perhaps not exhausting to the teacher. There's so much in here. There's never a time I read through these passages. I don't uh, have something reminded to me that uh, maybe didn't re reminded to me the last time I read it. Uh, not that we're looking for something new all the time. That's that's not really the purpose of it. The purpose is that just like everything else in this created life. Just like everything else, as he calls him the Creator, capital C, as we finished chapter 4 uh, last time, as unto a faithful Creator, just like everything else that's created, everything has a purpose, a design, and we never grasp every little bit of it. It says in Psalms, a reading today was in one of the Psalms, it said that his understanding is infinite. Ours is is. <laughs> To say our understanding is finite is, is an understatement. Finite meaning it's little. It's, you know, it's just a lit, our understanding is so small. And even when we get a, a ton of understanding, I mean, mountains of understanding in comparison to the world, it's still small because God's understanding is infinite. So when I say that, I'm reminding you that that's why we need this word flowing through us all the time. You need oxygen all the time. You need your fluid, your water, your hydration, your food all the time. Uh, you know, there's a multiplicity of uh, ideas today about how often a person should eat, we'll say, or how often they should how far they should walk or exercise or run and how much water every day. Okay, so that's fine. There is. But let us, let us never be so concerned with that that it even comes near the concern we should have for our inner person, our spirit and our soul and our heart and our mind. Now, it's very true. The body can hinder you. And we should pay attention to it. And we do so that it doesn't hinder us. <laughs> But let us remember that man shall not live, humans shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that shall proceed from the mouth of God. And bread there is a generic term for everything that you would use for sustenance. We come into a passage here today, and we'll look at the very least, try to, we'll, we'll read verses 1 to 4, and we'll begin on it. And... This passage is really powerful, and it is especially important in the day we live in when there is a mass amount, massive amount of communication. There's a whole mass, mountainous stuff about how to do things and deal with people. So let's read this, and let's see if we'll just let God pull you into a picture that God himself designed for us. So watch, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, 
not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. We'll, we'll try to take that as a thing. Verse 5 also is part of this thought where he says, Likewise, ye younger, submit unto yourselves unto the elder, etc. But let's start with verses 1 to 4 and see how we get through in this session. Now, there are some key words in here in your King James Bible, and I believe with all my heart, having compared it to other, other uh, things, having you know been required in my training to take Greek, New Testament Greek and Hebrew and you know, you have to do all the collating and the translating and the comparisons. And the more I did and the more I have done, the more I'm convinced that God in His divine wisdom gave us this book, this authorized version King James Bible. Now, I know some people stumble at that. And I think a lot of that is a lack of faith. And that doesn't mean that I've got more faith than you. But what I mean is, is, is the faith that God would do that and it's settled gets eroded by small and constant things and innuendos and even outright statements that people make. And my point there is, let's take it as it's written and watch this, this gold mine. These are not, you know, a fellow wrote a book, Nuggets from the Greek New Testament. Well, this is a gold mine. This is not a nugget. This is, these are gold mines that we find here. Because it paints a picture for us of how God made things to operate. How God made things to work. As humans, our propensity to complicate it, our propensity to add our own spin to it, is endless. And that's where we pull ourselves back to God's pictures. See, let's take this idea of, of a shepherd, of a flock of God, verse 2, of oversight, okay? Let's take that idea and think about this. The average person, Christian, would flinch if someone said, you're supposed to be like a sheep, because it is pounded into people. I mean, it is washed over them, this thing of don't be a sheep. You know, be your own person, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's a good idea when it comes to the world. Don't follow the world aimlessly off into the abyss of hell or the abyss of the world or the abyss of immorality. Don't do that. However, having said that, we're supposed to be sheep. And the better sheep I am before my great shepherd, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, the more he's pleased with me and the more peaceful my life. So there are many things in which we are going to go along through the Christian life just like other believers. And that is an offense to the old carnal fleshy nature that likes to be an individual, that likes to be a bit unique. It's an offense. And that should tell us sometimes which spirit we're of, which 
track we're going down. There is a sense in which God is looking for a uniformity of believers. Not necessarily how you dress and stuff, but have you ever noticed that there's just something about human nature that gets tweaked one way or the other if it isn't walking in God? So he says, The elders which are among you I exhort who also am an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now, I, I don't know how long we'll take here, but we, we must we must pursue this a little bit, okay? For example, look with me at this idea of the elders. If you got a piece of paper there, or you're taking some notes, or whatever, one of the first places we come to is in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. Go to just to the left there, and these are called the pastoral epistles. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. So what we're going to look at is that there are some things that he gives us when it comes to leadership, shepherding God's people. Now, there are some simple principles of leadership that can be learned or, you know, gleaned from that comes with leading people. That's fine. I find that people go, men go there first and then come back to the word. I believe with all my heart, and I'm not new to this, been at this a long time, I believe you got to go to the book first and then glean from the other. Why is that? Because I've read both sides of it and watched both sides of it and seen both sides of it and tasted both sides of it, having been, in, you know, obedient to leaders and that kind of thing. So take this word elder and picture this, that in God's work, he uses certain words in his book. Now, it doesn't mean you've got to have a tag that says elder, like the uh, LDS, Latter-day Saints, the Mormons do. You don't need a tag. You don't need the title elder, but you do need the office, and you do need the practice of God's system. In 1 Timothy 3, he says, This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And so in 1 Timothy 3, jot it down, he talks about bishop, which is equal to pastor, and he talks about deacons. Okay? Now, come over to Titus chapter 1. So when he writes to Timothy and Titus, he's given them this pattern, this template, this format. Okay? When a person gets to the point of being a bishop or deacon, it's the result of a process. In fact, in 1 Timothy 3, he, he makes a statement there which is very helpful. Okay? And the, the statement has to do with God's process. 1 Timothy 3.10, if you want to write it down. And let these also... First be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. So there is a premise there that before they get to that level of, of leading God's flock, of shepherding, there's a process. Let these first be proved. What is that process? It's a process that makes all the sense in the world if you let it. And it's what they use. The rest of the world has to use God's principles. They won't use God's vocabulary if possible. They'll make their own up. And they won't follow it to the letter because they've got to tweak it themselves. That's just 
human nature has got to tweak whatever God set out to do. But we want to find out how God's system works. So watch. Uh, let's start in verse 5. Titus chapter 1 verse 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. Now watch. And ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Now what? If any be blameless, husband one wife, that means not polygamy. There's a great, great amount of cultures and people today that still practice it. That's what this was about. It was really rampant in Paul's day. Uh, husband and one wife, watch, having faithful children, not accused of right unruly, in your home. When they leave and they do what they do, there's nothing you have over it. It is not, if a, if a child goes astray, it has nothing to do with someone being able to say, well, you didn't do it, do it right. You may, you may not have. You may have done partly right. You may have done partly good. The parents, the people who, you know, hammer the pulpit and proclaim, if your kids do right, it meant you did right. They're the ones that haven't had to suffer through nights of praying over their children. Not accused of right or unruly. Watch. For a bishop must be. Now, the first list, verses 5 and 6, verse 6 basically, is the beginning of the requirements for an elder. Okay? Then, for a bishop, it's more detailed. And here's why. To be an elder is the first step to being anything else in God's work, God's economy, God's shepherding, the government of God's people. Okay? So when Peter says, I'm an elder... Well, he is. He was an elder first. And then, of course, we know that God made him an apostle. And then he put him in the inner three, Peter, James, and John. And he even had Peter take the lead. And Peter was the lead of those 11 after Judas Iscariot was revealed and fell. And we know that Paul came along and he was the apostle to the Gentiles. But it started with Simon Peter being an elder. So he takes on the first level. If you were looking at levels, that the requirements for an elder are, are very basic. And as these are first proven, 1 Timothy 3.10, then they get more responsibility and more responsibility. I, am, I marvel and I'm shocked at the way people think you take someone, put them in a place of, of leadership or responsibility, and that's going to make them responsible. That's, it's the other way around. If they prove themselves responsible, then what you do is, then you increase their responsibility. See, you have to have a measure of authority, obviously, to fulfill responsibility. But the only purpose of authority is to fulfill responsibility. So Peter's going to focus on what? responsibility okay responsibility that's what Simon Peter's focusing on you got to get this all right so the elders which are among you I exhort who also am an elder so he started off as as one of those who was under Christ okay start off as an apprentice we'll say level one if you ever done any true martial arts, you start off at the bottom. I know a fellow who had 
gone all the way through and, and had his own dojo and represented his country at, at his level in Taekwondo. And he met a man from southern China who had a different art, Tong Long Kung Fu. And he said, uh, I'll start at zero if you'll train me. Shut down his dojo and started over. Why? He knew that that man had something he wanted and he had to start at the beginning. And so the picture he is, is he's putting himself with anyone who has any kind of responsibility within the work of God. He said, I'm an elder. Then he said, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Well, that's a strong credibility. And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He was there in Acts chapter 2 and preached and everything when God sent down, you know, initiated the power of the Holy Spirit for service and stuff. You know, people get all twisted around, you know, when did the church start and this and that. There's some of that you're not going to know till you get there. And I, I say that because the Lord purposely recorded his, in His Word these different stages, and you won't know some of it. He didn't want you to divide it. He doesn't want the Bible to merely be a doctrinally laid out book. He wants you to get the doctrine and then apply it. That's why He gave us at least seven mysteries, and He said to be stewards of the mysteries of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And then in verse 2, feed the flock of God. So what did he say? The elders among you, which are among you, I exhort. Now, exhorting is seldom done in a monotone. I'm exhorting you and you, you, we must, we must be responsible over. No, man, he's exhorting them. And if you know anything about Simon Peter, he's exhorting them. Now, he's not being a fool. He's not just railing, ranting, and raving. He's not take a text, take a fit type of preaching. But he's exhorting them to do what? To feed the flock of God which is among you. Now this is very, very powerful. He said, feed the flock of God which is among you. Now we can't, <laughs> we, I guess we could, but we're not going to do the whole study of, say, sheepdogs. But we have done some, and they are online. And I would encourage you to go, you know, at least get some ideas from that that we've done and, and grab Philip Keller's book on his sheepdog he had and understand this, that the sheepdog is so much like the sheep is how it can be a help to the shepherd, to the master. And so you and I, in whatever capacity we have of responsibility, with it, whether it's one or two or three or a hundred sheep, we're like God's sheepdogs. We are taking our orders from the master. We are among the sheep. So whereas there should be some respect given to, to leadership, to shepherds, there should be. It's not something we expect or demand. Listen, respect of authority or leadership is only there so it can function. That's the purpose of it. Not because one is greater than the other and all that but we esteem them greater for the purpose of its function. Feed the flock of God which is among you. So we are a sheep. Those of us who've been called and God has witnessed to the calling and we've exercised the calling to uh, feed the flock of God, we're a sheep also. We start off as a sheep. An elder starts off at that level one and then as God gives them different responsibilities, they might end up being the pastor, as, as in someone leading the whole congregation, etc., on a local level. 
Okay? The point is, we're, we start among each other. And we stay amongst each other. One of the great errors, you could say, of our day is that so much of this leadership stuff got to where it was, it was you know, like a hierarchy. And do you know, for the last 20 years, the guys who have made a, a real good living going around teaching on leadership have, <laughs> have measured on this, this, this phrase, ready? Servant leadership. Like it was something new. Like they discovered it. It's been around since day one of your Bible. It's been around 6,000 years. And our Lord Jesus Christ was the ultimate example of it. So it's not a new thing. Not only is it not a new thing, it's, it's not as the world practices it. So feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Okay, so you're among the sheep. And then he says, feeding it, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Now, there are many a man, I've heard him for almost 40 years now. 40 years, easily. Been saved 50 years here in a few months. For at least 40 of those years, I've heard man after man get up and almost bemoan their calling. And bemoan what the sheep are like. Especially, you get, a, you get a whole group of pastors together and preachers and evangelists and missionaries. You get them together and there is something that gets revealed and they don't know they're revealing it. They think they're relating to one another. They are revealing it. And if perchance someone within the sound of my voice is a leader, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, whatever. If you in any way bemoan your calling, you're not right with God. I very seldom will make such a statement, but you're not right with God. If you give any indication that you're just doing it because you that you're doing this and putting up with people and you know you don't want to get called to preach or you don't want to, you're not right with God in that area. In that area, you're not right with God in that attitude. Because it is a privilege. And more than that, it's a calling. Our Savior never gave the indication that He did not want to do what the Father sent Him to do. He asked for help in it sometimes, but that's between Him and the Father. See, it says, look, not by constraint, but willingly. The constraint being towards the person who's feeding the flock. Not constraining them, but willingly. Not by constraint, but willingly. He's talking about motive here. He's talking about attitude here. He said, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. If you're a leader, you have no business making any reference to the financial hardship or whatever about our calling as those who feed the flock. None. Because if you're not careful, you get to heaven, God say, you know, you complained about your wages the whole time. You kept throwing in that stuff. You complained about your people, the sheep, the whole time. When I gave you sheep that are just like you so that you could grow and they could grow. I mean, you, you know, they say for every time you point your finger, you got three pointing back, right? <coughs> well, it's the same way in feeding the flock of God. I can't tell you how many times I've 
you know, heard someone say something or even in conversation with leaders. And I'm thinking to myself, do they not have a mirror at home? Do they not have anybody in their life to remind them that they are just like the people they're complaining about or that the people they're frustrated with? Bob Jones Sr. said, every dog has just enough fleas to remind him he's a dog. And I know you've got your flea collars and you got all your stuff, so you thought you would defy that in the day that we live in. But without those flea collars and all that treatment, all that wash, guess what that dog has is fleas. Feeding the flock of God, which is among you. Ready? Taking the oversight thereof, comma. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Now, verse 3 is where we get into the attitude about not as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. We may not get to that in this session. But let me say this, please. Please listen to this. And it starts in your home. It starts as a husband, fellas. The manner in which you lead. The manner in which you have oversight. It's never supposed to be about power or authority or any of those things. It's supposed to be about leading, helping, oversight. And I can promise you, if we, if we have this attitude, it, it's not going to keep people from going bad. I get that. It's not going to make the other person have a great attitude all the time. That's between them and God and their own attitude. But for us, if we could learn this, it would help. Now let's take about the work of God. Feed the flock of God, which is among you. That's the flock you're supposed to be feeding. Not somebody else's flock. Not the flock you wish. It was. Okay? Learn to deal and love and live and pray for wisdom with the flock you have. It starts with the home, husband and wife. Then it starts with the husband and wife and then the children, perhaps. Sometimes it's children by, by birth. Sometimes it's adopt, adopted. Sometimes it's helping others around you. The, the picture I'm trying to paint for today is taking the oversight, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Not for filthy lucre, not for what's in it for me. Not as in, oh, it's costing me to do this. Oh, I wish they would just get in line. They are sheep. You and I are sheep. Okay? To want sheep to take care of themselves is a form of rebellion on the part of the overseer. Because they want, they like being the overseer, but they don't like dealing with the sheep. There are fellows who love teaching and preaching the Word of God, and, and the, when we're called, we do love doing that. It is something that God puts in our hearts. But, but all of the teaching and preaching is supposed to be to the end of helping to feed the flock of God and have the oversight, not by constraint. Well, you know, if I wasn't called, okay, well then get out. You say, well, I can't do that. That's exactly right. So get the heart right. Get the attitude right. And if you're not careful, I mean, I, I was listening to a fellow, you know, over there in Europe just for a few minutes, and I was like, you know, this guy is fighting with his own calling because he's fighting with the sheep God called him to. 
I've heard missionaries get that way about the people that God called them to. You see, he said, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. It's voluntary service. Look, come to John 21, and, and, and we'll, this will close off for this session. Come to John 21. See, even though it's a calling, when you answer, it becomes voluntary service, and we should treat it as voluntary service. Okay? And that's what's so important about this whole thing. <clears throat> He's, he is, Simon Peter is completely aware of having to adjust his attitude. He had to. Uh, some people get all over the, 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 the apostles, you know, and the disciples, well, why, did, why didn't they see who Jesus was and this and that? Are you kidding me? Seriously? When you have that thought, that's pride. You're telling yourself you would have seen what was going on. I guarantee I would have been more dense than the disciples. We've got all the finished work. We're looking back. Of course we can see all that. And it is pride that acts like, well, why didn't they see it? Well, Jesus rebuked Yeah, he rebuked them to try to get them back on the right track. But not because they were m much less spiritual than you would have been if you was there. That's not the case. So, understand that, that Simon Peter knew about having to adjust his attitude. He knew about having to submit to things if he wanted to know God's power, God's glory. Okay? You know, over in uh, Ezekiel 34, let me read you a verse too. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds. Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flocks. See, if you and I have the practice, the habit, the discipline, whatever, to get up and feed ourselves and read that book, that doesn't make us special. It means God's doing it so that we can share that, give that to others, to take and feed them, to spread out the food to lead him into those pastures. Well, Simon Peter knew that he needed to get it figured out. So he goes a fishing in John chapter 21, not necessarily like leaving something, but he was impatient. And so he goes a fishing, he catches nothing. All right? And it's kind of like when you, you get off track and you go to do something, or you, I've known guys that, you know, pick up a hobby and they get, Get all into it, and then they realize this is not gonna this is not gonna satisfy me because this is not what God intended to satisfy me. The Lord Jesus shows up, they get to shore, and you know the passage, and starting in verse 15 of John 21, when they had dined, Jesus says, saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And what does he tell him to do? Feed. Right? Feed. And so he said, Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Then he says in verse 18, when you were young, to just summarize it, he said, you did whatever you wanted to do. You were self-motivator, self-starter, but now you're going to submit to others and cheerfully be doing what I said. Simon Peter had to fight the battle, and he, he turns and sees John, verse 20, and says, well, what about him? 
What will this man do? Verse 21. He said, if I, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. So he tells Simon Peter, you're going to die. You're going to die a bound death, a prisoner. And then he said, if. And so the saying went abroad that John was going to live to the second coming, etc. Well, he wasn't saying John's going to live to the second coming. You know what he's saying? He's saying plainly, if I want to do that, what is that to you, Simon Peter? So he understood about the willingly. He also understood about not for filthy lucre. Listen, you will probably have a lot tighter belt and budget if you are in the ministry as such. Because there will be things that you won't be able to do financially or even commercially, like to make money, if you're going to take care of the flock of God. It's not, as some do, that they're just looking for a chance for someone to support them. It's that you can't do both. Now, for years and years and years, when I trained my men in institute, I trained them how to be able to do both. How to budget their time. How to have priorities. How to put the big rocks in first. Why? So that they could do both and they wouldn't miss out on their calling because of the area in which they're in that would not support them financially. So, we'll continue with this, obviously, but let it sink in. It's our attitude in feeding the flock that is so important to God. All right, we'll pick it up again next time. Thank you, Father, for this word. Use it, I pray thee, in Jesus' name. Amen. God be with you.